Russell Smith of the Austin Chronicle calls this movie a feel-good comedy with none of the pejorative hints of innocuous blandness that term so often implies. Amazon user slash college professor John Baldridge says, Social scientists could and should appreciate this film for its exploration of how identities, masculine and feminine, are currently being transformed via the ongoing process of deindustrialization in first world countries. And Letterboxd user Connor Joseph says, This gives me some ideas for when I'm reunited with the boys after lockdown. On this strip episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of the full Monty. Reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, you fucking starfighters. Wow, coming in. I... Coming in hot. Coming, coming in, in, in with the Yorkshire, a little bit of the Yorkshire. I'm trying the Yorkshire accent. The Yorkshire uh, slang, the dialect. Yeah, yeah. And I know we're coming in, you know, just dropping dropping F-bombs. But hey, it's more than that that gets dropped in the full Monty. Oh, that is true. Or torn I'm off I'm referring to pants. Yes. Yes. Oh, I... I picked up what you were throwing down. Oh, uh, I know. Yeah. So, hey, Dan, how's it going? Hey, John. Uh, all, all is well. All is well. How, how are things by you? Things are okay. Congratulations on getting your first vaccine shot. Thank you. Yes. Feeling good so is... far. I know it's just been a few oh, hours. My... God, I'm euphoric. Uh, it was like I was uh, on the drive home. I was just like, does this thing get you high? Is that what's happening? <laughs> I, I imagine there's some sort of psychosomatic feeling that you get, you know, after this past year of. Well, relief. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's, but just, just, there's like, just a drop of, of relief. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. I can't even. I, I'm, I can't wait. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to have to, but I'm very excited for Which when sucks. I have the opportunity. Like, it, it absolutely sucks. Well, that, you're a school that, teacher, and you know, it's it's important for kids to start going back to school, especially considering how there are a lot of places in this country where there's reliable internet, and you know, it, it's important for people to have that normal type of uh, classroom experience. Yeah. So yeah, and hope. I mean, I'm hoping that at least when we when we do go back, it can be the normal classroom experience. Yeah. Um. I I am gonna have to start exercising though because I don't fit into into any of my hard pants. And so <laughs> I've got like one pair of jeans, the magic pair of jeans that still works. So even though this is a podcast about uh. Uh, movies and and remakes, sequels, reboots, prequels, blah 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 blah. Uh, you know, Dan and I are brothers, and we you know just chat. We just chat about stuff. So we're gonna talk about some uh, non movie things for a second. Dan, let me tell you what what's been going on over here for the past two months. I've been doing intermittent fasting, and I've dropped like fifteen pounds, and it's been wow easy. Because during the rest of the day, during like the four, five or six hours where I actually am eating, it's just kind of whatever. And then uh, I just don't snack. I did it so that I would have a re- like something to 
uh, encouraged me to stop with like the late night snacking. And I found that like uh-huh. if I had an app that with a timer on it, that would it, that would help out. And it really has because like, or like giving it a name. So intermittent fasting has a name. That's its name. So to say that I'm doing that means that I, I have this thing that's going on. And uh, I also stopped eating breakfast a while ago. So it was easier, I think, for me to get into it. So if you're looking for a, a quick and I believe healthy way, uh, I, I feel good. That's all I know. But yeah, I've been wearing things that I let the shirt I'm wearing now. These buttons haven't touched the buttonholes in a long time. I'll just say that. Oh, congratulations <laughs> to you and to them. And to and them. To them. It's I'm been very... a wonderful reunion for them, I'm sure. Happy, happy for you all. Yeah, Dan, I, I don't have any um, news or one more things about our last episode, uh, but I did want to ask you a question because a movie, uh, I heard about this movie and I can't believe that I hadn't heard about it before. But are you familiar with a movie called Kumiko the Treasure Hunter? Kumiko the Treasure Hunter does not sound familiar. Okay, well, Dan, I'm going to read you a little bit about this movie, it, which came out in 2014, which I am going to just read from the Wikipedia page. And uh, the story is based on the urban legend surrounding Takako Konishi in search of the fictional ransom money seen buried in the snow from the 1996 film Fargo. It's funny because at first I really thought you were talking about like a Studio Ghibli I mean, this is a... Oh, Kamika the Treasure Hunter. Okay. Yeah, sure. It's animated. No, 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 no. This is a... (laughs) No. I... a real thing that's out there. Uh, so Kumiko is a 29-year-old office lady who lives in utter solitude in Tokyo. She works a dreadful uh, dead-end job under her boss she hates, who in turn hates her, unable to connect to her fashionable peers and nagged by her overbearing mother to find a man and get married. The only joys in her life come from her pet rabbit Bunzo and treasure hunting, which leads her to find a VHS copy of the film Fargo in a secluded cave on the shore. Convinced the film is real, Kumiko obsesses over the film, focusing on the scene in which a character played by Steve Buscemi buries a satchel of ransom money along a snowy highway, obsessively detailing and noting each aspect of the scene and the film overall. Kumiko even attempts to steal an atlas from a library only to be caught by the security guard who pities her and allows her to... So anyway, it's... This should just be a, a season of Fargo. Well, yeah, I know, right? But it's what's so interesting <laughs> is like, I feel like this... You know, that's the kind of thing that we would come up with as a way to resurrect the uh, the property. And I love that there are actual yeah. movies that that do these things. And uh, I don't know. I I, I need that's to hunt cool. down a that's copy cool. of this. And and well, speaking of treasure hunting, I need to hunt this treasure and check it out. I forget where I heard about it, but I am fascinated by the concept. I love that when you know. I mean, the movie Fargo clearly is a, you know, it's a, I'd say it's a modern day classic. Uh, What's up? The movie Fargo, which was released 25 years ago uh, on March 8th, 1996. And by uh, by the, by the way, if you're listening to this on the day the, the episode drops, it is indeed John's birthday. So happy, happy birthday. Thank you. Yes. 38 officially in the late thirties. I'm no longer in the mid to late thirties. Mid to late. No, that's like, that's 37. Yeah. 
That 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 That's was it. all day. So you're still there. <laughs> you're still there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as as of when we're recording yeah. this, you're still there. But yeah, no, I that that you know, it rang a bell. I was like, oh, is Fargo like coming up on its yeah, yeah, like yeah. 25th anniversary, like to the day? That's fascinating. Yes. No, I I, just, I think it's so Indeed I it think is. it's so cool that a movie even gets made that's you know about a. I mean, I'd say recent classic. I know that the 90s feel recent to us, even though they maybe weren't as recent <laughs> but i uh, 25, 25 years years yeah it's pretty wild it's a quarter of yeah, a century ago but um it still feels very fresh and uh yes yeah. anyway um and, and and i have a question for you so this month we are focusing on movies uh whose titles have kind of coined a phrase uh this episode is or reinvented. Well, that's right. Well, so this episode is is yeah. the Full Monty, which is existing. I, I believe it originates in British British slang, but this movie redefined what the meaning of the word is. The meaning of the the Full Monty is just kind of like everything, the whole kit and caboodle, yeah, the whole everything. Thing. And what this movie has kind of redefined the Full Monty as is completely in the buff. Uh, which is so fascinating how that happens. I mean, the last one was about the bucket list, a term that didn't exist until 2007. And we're going to explore some more of these movies. But uh, there's plenty of movies that have words or phrases in them that were invented by these movies. I mean, it's possible that they were things that the writers or directors made up in their own lives and incorporated them into movies. We had mentioned how American pie coined the term MILF and now there's a whole industry based mm. on it. And, uh, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, Dan, if you can pinpoint the movie that this very common term is from Dan, do you know what Canadian tuxedo is from? Is it super troopers? It is super troopers. Yeah. That's right. Also known as, I believe a Syracuse tuxedo. Well, that's what it was for them because they all went to college together in, you know, upstate New York. Uh-huh. And uh, when they would see people wearing denim on denim, they would refer to it as a Syracuse tuxedo. But in order to make the phrase understood by everybody watching their movie, they made it Canadian tuxedo. And that's just kind of what it became. And I guarantee you that there are people who use that that term all the time who have never seen super troopers and may not ever unfortunately it's, possibly also yeah. shenanigans uh shenanigans which i'm reinvented <laughs> you want me to pistol whip you but <laughs> hey farver what's the name of that restaurant you like with all the goofy shit on the walls and the mozzarella sticks <laughs> sorry that's one of my favorite lines in talking about movie. shenanigans um so uh, yeah, so the full Monty, the phrase the full Monty came about, it's definitely, it's a 20, uh, well, actually, there's some debate as to the origin of it. Um, I think kind of the most popular interpretation is that it referred to when uh, British Field Marshal Bernard Law Montgomery, also known as Monty, I believe the same mm, Monty of right. the REM song, Monty Got a Wrong raw deal um (laughs) whenever he wore all his medals that it was oh the full monty so got it 
Um, there's a lot of like some uh, one possible origin is that it's a variation of the full amount, which doesn't yeah. make sense. Uh, there's an origin story that it was invented by a British comedian named Ben Elton as a substitute for the whole shebang. It, it could re- refer to being fully and I'm quoting this now from uh, current uh, the Hartford Current in Hartford, Connecticut, and they reference that it um oh it refers to being fully duded out in formal clothes rented from a british haberdashery called montague burton right yeah i also heard something about a a restaurant in england called monty's shenanigans oh <laughs> called monty's uh that had a dish called the full monty that was just like a big breakfast sausage. platter, oh. I think. <laughs> probably, there was probably sausage on it, but uh, just a coincidence because the the terminology had not yet transcended to nudity. No, but now, now it, I mean, I'm sure people can, you know, if someone uses it in the context of just, oh, the whole thing. Right, um, now, yeah. It, it would, you'd understand them, but I would say it's most commonly used to refer, refer to full frontal nudity. And that's all because of this weird little movie. This delightful, charming little was, working class British comedy. Yeah, that was nominated for Best Picture. For the, the both the first script written by the screenwriter and the mm-hmm. first director, first film directed by the director. Um, yeah, I, and I mean Peter Cataneo. Uh, if anybody recognizes the year that this came out, they would know that this was up against Titanic. So uh, it's kind of hard. It's I'm sure that they were just like, well, it was nice to be nominated, <laughs> you know, immediately after well, the nomination because considering like, does it really stand a chance against the Titanic? Well, considering that this is a movie that almost didn't even make it to the big screen, it almost was just kind of put on BBC. A lot of big name actors turned down roles in it. Alan Rickman, I remember being being among them, and it wasn't expected to to do that well. Yeah. But, you know, it stars. Robert Carlyle, who people at that time, I think only really knew from train spotting. I'm sure he, in yeah. in England he had done a lot of smaller things. I don't know. I don't know though. A lot of TV. TV. Yeah. Um, and the other real name in it, I think, is just Tom Wilkinson. Well, uh I don't know so, who else people would have been familiar with, but I mean it's hard for me to that, say in England who people would have been familiar with. Well, Mark Addy would have been um, known to to British audiences also from TV work. Now, this movie launched Mark Addy into a mm. pretty impressive career. Uh, he took He's over great. the role of Fred Flintstone from John Goodman That's in right. uh, Viva Rock Vegas. He was uh, Robert Baratheon in Game of Thrones right. season one. Uh, and I mean, he's the, you see him... Frequently, I can't think of any more credits off the top of my head. Yeah, but... he's definitely one of those people who pops up in things, and but you you know his name isn't one that gets mentioned. But the, as this much. was his first film. Yeah, and he's great. This was his first film, yeah. and oh yeah, he's one. I definitely, re- I I definitely related to him in in this movie. Uh, you know, thinking about my my dilemma about wearing pants yeah. to to an actual <laughs> job um 
it was I, I I saw him and I was like, oh man, well, Mark Addy, I feel your pain. So I feel like if anybody who's just a regular listener of the podcast, which first of all, hello, um, but Hi. also for people who are just you know listening, but maybe haven't seen the movie or have forgotten everything, but like people know the Full Monty as this movie about these you know, blue collar dudes who are become strippers, but uh, I'm just going to launch into a, a little synopsis to give some more context. After the steel mill in a small English town closes, former mill worker Gaz is at a crossroads. He and his ex are on really bad terms and he is in danger of losing any access to his son, Nathan. He and his pal Dave frequent the local job club in hopes of landing a new job without putting forth too much effort. While out one night, they stumble upon a ladies-only strip show featuring male Chippendale dancers. Gaz gets the idea to put on a strip show of his own once he finds out what could be made for even one night of clean adult entertainment. After he gets Dave on board, they encounter a former co-worker attempting to kill himself in his car, who they then coax to join them in their efforts. Then they bully their old hard-ass supervisor, Gerald, until he gets on board. After holding tryouts, they get two more blokes to join the crew, and they're ready to get started. Gerald, a ballroom dancing enthusiast, took on the role of choreographer while Gaz did his best to get everyone enthused. After a few bumps in the road, this ragtag group of nobodies sold out their venue and put on a show that rivaled the Chippendale show because these lads go the full Monty. So, uh, like we said, Robert Carlyle plays Gaz, uh, Mark Addy is Dave, Tom Wilkinson is Gerald. Yeah, um, the other guys in the group are Hugo Spear as this dude who just has a huge hog. Uh, Steve Huysen is uh, Lomper, who's um, the guy who they find, you know, trying to blow the exhaust into his his car. Um, And uh, Paul Barber is Horse, this guy who's... uh, on the squad an older an older so, gentleman yeah um i'd be remiss by the way while we're talking about other robert carlisle credits in not pointing out one of my favorite movies and it's a 1999 gem which just makes it even better ravenous oh the yeah civil war cannibal horror, horror comedy uh, it's weird. I, I like David Arquette, Jeffrey Jones. I haven't seen it in forever. And I really like I want to go look right now to see where it's streaming. I remember watching it when it came it. out on video. Uh, I believe that that was a, a rental, a blockbuster night. And uh, I might have watched it with you or maybe you had rented it and it was just around. So I was like, oh, I'll put this on and really enjoying it. But I haven't seen it since that first time. Yeah, it's been a while. And Robert Carlyle is, I, I guess, the he's the main character in that. Yeah. And he's he's magnificent in that. He's in uh he's the he's the bad guy and he got to be a Bond villain in in the world is not enough. So That's right. Not not the not the best Bond movie, yeah. but I really like he was like he had that thing where he couldn't feel pain. And I was like, ah, oh, he's perfect. <laughs> perfect casting. Yeah. I, I would have loved to have seen him with, with Daniel Craig. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like this cast, like they're all extremely believable as these, you know, blue collar guys living in this like small town that kind of revolved around this 
steel industry. In fact, I'm going to play yeah. the the first thing that you uh, that you hear uh, because this is a podcast you can't see, but it's like a, an an older promotional film for. I think it's legit too. I don't oh, think they is made it, it really. For this. I think it's like a legit, like, you know, move to this town, yeah. come work in our steel mill, that'll be open forever. Yeah, well, let's check it out. Welcome to Sheffield, the beating heart of Britain's industrial north. The jewel in Yorkshire's crown is home to over half a million people, and thousands more flock here daily to shop and to work. All this is built on Sheffield's primary industry, steel. The city's rolling mills, forges and workshops employ some 90,000 men and state-of-the-art machinery to make the world's finest steel. From high tensile girders to the stainless cutlery that ends up on your dining table. But it's not all hard work for the people of Steel City. They can spend the day lounging by the pool, watching one of our top soccer teams, or browsing in the shops. But when the sun goes down, the fun really starts in the city's numerous nightclubs and discotheques. Yes, Yorkshire folk know how to have a good time. And it's good times for the city's housing, too. Sheffield leads the way in town planning. Victorian slums have been cleared to make way for the homes of the future. Thanks to steel. Sheffield really is a city on the move. love that funky tune yeah and then cut to 25 yeah. years later the place is a shit i find hole. it interesting that they call them soccer clubs and not football clubs in this oh i wonder if that was a that. a change for american audiences or who knows but like they they use Tons of like regional slang. Yeah, in the movie itself. Apparently, some American theaters were sent like dictionaries. Yeah, like <laughs> handouts of uh, of Yorkshire slang. Fascinating. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't so have any like, problems I don't following know. along. No. No. Yeah. No. No. But I suppose in 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 some places. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, yeah. so I. Great it's a really great way of setting up how, like, you know, this was the way that things went in this city. You know, it thrived around this this industry that this many years later is just gone. And I think that it, it relates very closely to, and this is something that's touched upon in one of the things that I mentioned in the our episode's intro, is the connection between kind of like the the status of the male in the in society has kind of gone away because the men were the ones that were working in these steel plants and now you know women are having to i don't know be the breadwinners and they're also having to you know they're they're going to these chippendale shows and they're they don't need the men that's like the complaint it's very it's well it's a very uh I don't know men's 
men's rights activist type of talk uh, at certain moments. But well, they they're encroaching on the men's territory. Like they go to like the lo- the local watering hole where they would all go for a yeah. pint after. Uh, you know, after a day at the mill and now, yeah, the, the women are there because it's not as much, it's whoever can, can get yeah. a job and like, yeah, these guys are out of work. Well, and-, and that's the thing is that Gaz and I think Dave also, they're, you know, they're, they don't seem very like motivated. They're not like out there trying to find a new job as vigorously as, you know, Gerald is really trying to, you know, hit the pavement and well, Gerald. So- and Gerald, who has not told his wife that he has lost his job, um, you know, he's too proud to tell her and she's spending money left and right and trying to plan vacations and stuff. Well, and, you know, uh, at first, so when when you watch this movie and you think like, OK, this was a Best Picture nominee and you start to watch it and you're like, ah, you know, it's good. I don't know that I... I don't know that I see it up at that level, uh, especially before like they started allowing there to be like 20 nominees for best picture. But Tom Wilkinson has got some moments where you really feel it and you feel like, even though it's light, like you said, Gaz and Dave really aren't that motivated. So I feel like the tone of the film and the characters, it's not like it's, it's more like, the the highest stakes are for uh Nate for Gaz and Nathan right. his son and whether or not he can keep seeing him and uh you know and he keeps screwing yeah. up yeah i mean he keeps when you're screwing up big plan yeah. for being able to afford the child support required to see your kid when your big plan for that is to start a striptease show then that's I don't know. It's like you can't think of something maybe, you know, like he he couldn't have taken an online well, coding well, class. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I think that that what we were saying before about, you know, Gerald being too proud is, oh. you know, it, they're they're all too proud to take, you know, they're too proud to take jobs as security at the Target type store or whatever it is that Dave ends up working at. Or it looked like a, a it looked a like Fred a, Meyer, a Huckabee's. Which... It's the everything store. A Huckabee's. It was a Huckabee's. Yeah, because they have uh, VHS tapes Uh, and yeah, they've got everything. And suit jackets. Suit jackets. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. But yeah, so when Gerald, so there's a scene when Gerald has an interview and this is like his big chance at getting it. Gerald was also, he was the supervisor. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in this job interview and Gaz and Dave are like in the window just trying to distract him so that he, you know, totally screws up the interview and uh, has to strip with them. It's such a weird experience to, you know, to witness. But yeah, when, uh, when Gerald comes out, it's just, he goes, he goes, Oh, absolutely. Your heart breaks Month. 
I could have got my first month in advance. She'd never have known. Now what? She's still got credit cards, you know. She's out there now. Let loose on I Street with a fucking MasterCard. Spending! Why can't you just tell her? How can I tell her? After six months, a woman who wants to go skiing for his holidays. <laughs> skiing, for fuck's sake. Why did you do it? It was my job. It had to be mine. Yeah, it's kind of heartbreaking to see him just kind of melt down. You know, he's always wearing like nice suits and he's very put together. It's, you know, the only reason why they want him to be in this group with them is because they see him doing these dance classes with his wife. And it's like, oh, he can dance. So clearly he needs to be part of this group so he can choreograph our routine. And I think for him, another thing that comes out is I think he really likes having that that companionship yeah Yeah. with the rest of the guys and because because also like it's when he was the when he was their boss there was a separation and that they make that point in the beginning um you know and gaz uh when they're all sitting in the same room and and gaz is like you're not our boss anymore we're all Mm -hmm. on the same level now and that i think for one that motivates gerald to um you know to to get a job and to get back in that position but it's also it's something that it doesn't seem like he had had before it's like just like like yeah well he was presumably just on a career track very work focused and you know had this position managing these these guys who were beneath him and now they're on the same level and they're certainly doing their part to keep it that way for the benefit of this weird strip plan that they have. Mm. Uh, the other thing, you know, while we're still on the subject of the emotional core of this movie and talking about kind of like why it was on the the high platform that it was on in terms of awards, which I believe it, you know, I think it won a BAFTA. Like, it, you know, it wasn't like just this weird outlier in the best picture oscars category like it was nominated for a bunch of things but also it's like there is this storyline with um with lomper and guy two of the other strippers the guy with the the huge uh huge hog and the guy who tries to kill himself uh where and it's not like it's really discussed but you know they kind of bond and they're having they're like trying to run away and escape from people who catch them trying to do their routine or whatever and uh they have this moment together and it's acknowledged that you know they're gay and it's not made a big deal out of and it explains a lot about you know lomper's depression that he's experiencing after losing his job uh, and and other reasons why he might want to kill himself because you know this still you know it's the 90s in working class England and uh, you know things yeah. were certainly a lot different then and to have this experience well you listen to that? you listen to a lot of the just a lot of like the casual talk amongst the group there's a lot of homophobic terms yeah. thrown around. Uh, right. You hear pulver a lot, which, you know, that's 
Yeah. And also when they're talking about Uh, their show, they keep on saying like, it's ladies only, it's ladies only. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, yeah. Homophobia, like true, like, you know, fear of the idea of men being interested in men. Just even appearing. yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, uh, to get back to just the like the awards, the acclaim it got. So it won an Oscar for best music, original musical or comedy score back uh, during the couple yeah, of years. And, that, that You know, happened. we've got a few clips and you'll hear the score in those clips. And I'm going to play some of it. You know, some of it will be under the, the synopsis, but it's it's fun. Uh, and so that was score for musical yeah. or comedy in the Oscars. I think that category was a very short lived it, it yeah it was it was just like a couple of years i think it was like emma the year before won it and it was like this is what we're going to you know, give the british I, comedy. and i wish that those types of things still did exist because it gives opportunities for you know the more fun movies to you know because there's so such great scores well, yeah it's a different it's also your it's a different like you know you're 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 kind of flexing a different muscle uh and making you know scoring a comedy film it's just as important but like you really like if you're scoring like John Williams can yeah. score adventure like John Williams can score pretty much anything but like adventure John Williams can <laughs> snore out a score yeah. he can snore a score um but getting back to sorry, getting back to Full Monty. So it was nominated uh, for Best Picture, Director, and Screenplay written directly for the screen. So mm-hmm. no acting nominations. Golden Globes. It was nominated for Best Picture, Comedy or Musical. At the BAFTAs, it won right. Best Picture. It won Best uh, won Best Actor for Robert Carlyle. Won Best Supporting Actor for Tom Wilkinson. Nominated for I guess Bre- hmm. Best British Film, which I guess is a different category uh nominated for score screenplay best actress in a supporting role oh is that for leslie best, sharp as best Jean? actor in a supporting role yeah so leslie, leslie sharp, sharp plays dave's yeah. wife Jean. she's good she's she's incredible we'll talk about her more in a, in a few it did win the uh outstanding performance by a cast award okay. at the screen actors guild awards that year which uh, i mean i I I definitely get why no. Titanic wouldn't win that, and um, I that was also the year of L.A. Confidential, which was my personal L.A. Confidential is great, yeah. But yeah, so the Full Monty was really well was very well received. Uh, as I was I was reading in in preparing for for this episode, um, it, some of the success was kind of correlated to the fact that it, it was released in the U.K. Uh, within a couple of months of the death right. of Princess Die, yes. yes, and that it was like it was uplifting, it was fun, it was carefree, and it was like you know there was there was seriousness in it, but nothing, yeah, it gave people, it people something, up. you know, a, a way to have fun in England. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, and it's it's a it's a fascinating little, but but let's talk about a, a couple more. Uh, of the scenes because uh there were a couple of other scenes that um like st- that stood out especially actually for uh-huh. the for the music talking about the music um so the scene it's after they catch uh lumper uh yeah you know, he's got the trying to kill the himself hose from the exhaust pipe going into the car so yeah dave pulls him out of his car and saves and his life the other- and yeah this exchange it's 
it's so bizarre and i just a, lo- a little trigger warning because this is talking about suicide feel free to skip ahead if you don't want to hear you know this this segment but they talk about it seriously but this is a bit of a lighthearted scene so feel free to skip ahead if you'd like but here's uh yeah here's the audio from that scene you could shoot you said where's he gonna find a gun from around here you want to find yourself a big bridge you do one of them bungee jumps, only without the bungee bit. I can't stand out, it's me. Drowning, now there's a way to go. I can't swim. You don't have to fucking swim, you divvy, that's the whole point. God, you're not very keen, are you? Sorry. I know. You could stand in the middle of the road and get a mate to drive smack into you right fast. I haven't got any mates. Listen, you, we just saved you a fucking life, so don't tell us we're not your mates, all right? Yeah? Yeah, me and all. I'd run you down soon as look at you. Oh, cheers. Ta. yeah the score is great but also just the idea of um, them saving his life and then telling him that they are his mates because they saved his life and that's why they're trying to help him kill himself (laughs) well well, yeah i mean they're not real you know they're they're not they're joking it's just such a funny, I, I I mean, I love the writing of that. I think it's pretty brilliant. But yeah, that score really pops in that. It's a, I love it. It's, a, it's, it's weird. It's weird in that scene. And it made me wonder, I was like, they seem high. They don't seem to be smoking. I mean, other than like right. Dave's they, cigarette. Yeah, they definitely smoke a lot of cigarettes in this movie. Yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of get the feeling that these guys are like, kind of anti-pot i get that vibe from like this era well, i of- i just i don't i i don't think it's anywhere i don't think it's anywhere you know it's yeah. i don't think it's part of that that world for them um so i mean it you know it's it brings to mind another like uh charming british mm. comedy from that era saving grace uh, well, which was very good, but but getting back to that scene, the music is is weird to me in that scene. I like it, but the music kind of added to that sense of like, huh? Um, be, and it's like I'm waiting for some type of like I don't know French <laughs> yeah. spoken word coming in. Um, well, it's 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 got this weird. It's funny that you mentioned that because I feel like they are yeah. having this. You know, this is this moment where they're having all this like existential dread of like what is their purpose like what's the point of all of this and i don't know they're all kind of like they're at this moment in their lives before this whole plan kind of really starts and they 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 find this purpose for themselves and uh, it's it's just kind of funny because i feel like had the, if this movie was some sort of like french new wavy thing it, it would have fit perfectly in there 
So <laughs> yeah, the fact that you mentioned it's exactly. kind of like a French exactly. spoken word kind of rings rings true for me. Je contemple la vie. What does that mean? Something life? I Something. I I think uh, je, je ne comprends pas la vie. I don't understand life. Uh, je suis dans la vie de moi. I don't know uh, a lick of French except for the words that everybody knows. And um, something that uh, Laura and I, my wife, uh, do pretty regularly is together we do the New York Times crossword puzzle. Uh, we'll pull up the app ah. and we'll kind of mirror it, it airplay onto the screen and then we'll both kind of just kind of go through it. And they're, they seem to love having like French clues and stuff like that so i'm just like oh this one's you yes uh yeah it's funny yeah i do that i um i, I go into the app and i i do at least one of those a day and yeah there are definitely certain things that they keep coming yeah. back to that i am like you like if you do the new york times crossword puzzle for a week you will know the first name of actress diarmas <laughs> for life <laughs> yeah they need those vowels in there um yeah. So anyway, uh, True. back to the full Monty. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've seen any yeah. of, of these actors pop up in there um, in the crossword, but who knows? Maybe sometime in the future we'll discover that. I could see Mark could Addy, see Mark possibly. Addy. Yeah. Um, but let's talk Sean a little Adam bit about Adam. Leslie Sharp as Gene and uh, the dynamic between Gene and Dave, because Gene is kind of how we really get into this whole stripping thing because uh she is at the chippendale show and um gaz and dave and nathan actually sneak into the show even though it's uh women only they sneak in through the bathroom and uh they're hiding well gaz is hiding in the bathroom as gene and two of her friends pop in there to uh to use the bathroom since, you know, no, no sense in waiting for the ladies' room when there's no guys there. And uh, he overhears Gene talking about how Dave is just so unmotivated to get a job and is just kind of checked out of their relationship and, you know, how unhappy she is with that. Um, while her friend hilariously uh, pisses in the urinal. <laughs> oh yeah so um yeah so gene uh kind of kicks things off and we come back to her a few times and you really see that like she cares a lot about dave but you know just feels kind of betrayed by his lack of drive yeah and it's like dave also he's kind of afraid to open up and he doesn't feel good about himself and I I don't think he thinks that she that Gene loves him anymore right. or wants him anymore. And it's so great. There's um there's a scene uh the scene when they finally just open yeah. up to each other. I felt it was powerful because it showed us that like we don't know how others see us un- unless we ask them sometimes, you know? Sure. Yeah. We have to be open to it. Yeah. And, mm. you know, like, like she just, you know, she just wanted him to be close to her. Yeah. So. And uh, um, just some context for this clip we're about to play is that, uh, you know, he's, I, I, 
think really just in comparison to like Gaz, who's this little string bean, uh, is, I don't know, a little heavier. He's certainly not like a big fat guy or anything. He's, he's just got dad bod. He's got dad bod. I, that's a good way of saying it because he's not like gigantic or anything. No. Yeah. He just has trouble, you know, he's doesn't isn't able to really keep it off. He tries like little tricks of wrapping himself in like saran wrap and stuff like that. The other thing to to know about this clip, uh, so this is also when uh Gene has discovered Dave's uh stripper routine thong. And but she doesn't know about the stripper routine. So that's the only thing that you need to know that it's a, a visual cue that you obviously can't see. Gene love. Should have guessed when you started wearing totty lotion. You never put it on for me, did you? Jane. But this. Never had you down for this sort of caper, David. Explains a few things at least. No, look. I know it doesn't look good, but. You're bloody right, it don't. All those nights you were late back and stupid cow here thought you were out looking for a job. Well, no wonder. No bloody wonder. It's so obvious. No, I was with Gaz, honest. Oh, right. She's one of Gaz's little tarts, is she? Well, that makes sense. She'd have to be to put up with this kind of shit. Just hey, listen, will ya? Snap to go with any fucking women, all right? Um, I were a stripper, right? Me and Gaz and some fellas thought we could make a bob or two out of taking us clothes off. Strippers? All right, all right, I know. You and Gaz, strippers? We weren't that bad. Only I couldn't, could I? Why not? Well, look at me. So? Jeannie, who wants to see this dance? Me, Dave. I do. Really s sweet moment. And, and such a great really scene. Is. Such great range in that scene. Uh, Dan, I want to tell you about one of my favorite scenes, and I feel like I remember this from maybe even like the trailer, like seeing it back in the '90s. But when they're uh, they're online, they're talking, yeah, yeah, they're standing on the line. Where are they? I don't even remember where they are. I mean, I think they're just at the at the unemployment unemployment office, office yeah. And uh, there's like the song piping through the speakers, and they all start doing like the dance it's like routine. Hot stuff. It's hot stuff, yeah. They start doing like their routine, and um, you know, very subtly at first, and then uh, like <laughs> Gerald just kind of like Gerald does this busts out. Busts out, and like everyone else in the line is like, "What the fuck is going?" on? It's great. It is. It's such a. They're also all pissed at Gaz at that point, yeah. and like it, it's one of those scenes. It's it's like the bus scene in Almost Famous. Oh yeah, 
It's, like everyone's just kind of it's the tiny dancer scene. <laughs> it's the tiny dancer scene. Yes. Uh, it, it's so it's so cute and it's so funny. And yeah, that's kind of one of those, you know, laugh, I laughed out loud. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot scene. of moments where I just, just caught myself just like smiling, watching it. And I guess yeah. that's what makes it such a, a good, memorable movie that, you know, caught people's attention. Uh, you know, it just kind of forces you to just start smiling and it's a ridiculous premise it's completely ridiculous no one would ever uh, come up with that plan as their like you know only option yeah but someone who's like an who's i don't want to say an unskilled worker but somebody who who basically like grew up like his father probably worked oh, yeah. in the mill i'm sure so somebody who grew up like pretty much knowing one thing and doing one thing and then having that taken away from him i mean it yeah it's not like there was a lot of it doesn't seem like there was a lot of opportunity for much else in that town right. So, I mean, like, look at, like, Gerald was, since Gerald's, like, uh, older, older than them, you know, like, a, a good, you know, probably 10 years at least sure. older than most of them, maybe not horse, but, horse, yeah. um, but, like, Gerald was probably them 10 years earlier. And, could have been. Like, they probably would have been, like, one of the, they, you know, they probably would have, one of them would have been Gerald, but it would have become probably Lomper. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that the... Uh, well, Lomper, I believe, was a security guard there. I don't know. Um, oh, was I, I think okay. I, I thought so. So anyway, but like, I it's it's got to be one of those things where, and of course, this is a fictional thing. They actually didn't, you know, grow up there. But this is probably the type of situation where it's like, you know, you you grow up in this town where you're told. And when you're older, you're going to be just like your dad and work at the steel mill. And that's just how it mm -hmm. goes. And that's why that's all you're going to learn how to do pretty much like, yeah, you know, like learn how to like read and write and do a little bit of math. But like, don't worry too much because you'll just need to know how to do this. That's pretty much it. So when when it gets taken away from them as they're, you know, in their 30s, uh, what else are they going to it's just what are they gonna so do weird. and then it's like well what what am i qualified to do take my clothes off well geez i do that every day yeah well the dancing was the the challenging part but what also what i like about it is they became as they became realistically good at dancing yeah so here's a question i have they perform one song and fulfill the requirement to go the full monty and then is the show over? <laughs> I, I am going to, I am going to guess that no, it is not that they that they do that you, they wouldn't have more than one song. You think? I don't know. Well, 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 where do you go from there? They kind of did everything they set out to do. Like, you go in. Do you, you think go they could in reverse you, other costumes? You just go in reverse. I don't, reverse. You, you put everything back on in a sexy way. <laughs> just go in reverse. Yeah, cause that would be awesome. Imagine that. That would be like the artsiest stripper act ever. If at the end of the song, the song started playing in reverse, like so David Lynch and <laughs> like start putting the clothes back on and, Oh, that would be cool. It's, and it's, uh, you know, the movie ends on uh, the freeze frame of them uh, 
bare-assed, having just revealed their junk to the crowd. You know, freeze frame, and that's it. Uh, I believe in Roger Ebert's review, he was just like, kind of would have liked like maybe one more scene, you know, just or like oh, a look on one of their faces, even. But I thought. I thought about that and then I was like, you know what? I like a movie that leaves you wanting more. <laughs> yeah. And and not feeling like I could have done without X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And, you know, I, pun uh, not originally intended in my mind, but sure, let's go with it. But it's like this movie does have the balls to make a promise that you're going to see like some sort of. I don't know, average looking dude nudity. And you're going into it knowing that from the beginning and you're just like on board for the, for the whole ride. And at the end you get your, your asses and it's, you know, you get your treat. (laughs) You get your asses handed to you. you. So Dan, uh, this movie, uh, if anybody doesn't know, it got, it got a, a revival as a Broadway musical. So there have been yeah. stage adaptations. Dan, do you know much about, about that? I know that the musical, uh, they moved the setting. They adapted it to be set in Buffalo. Really? Okay. Yeah. And they added a character uh, named Jeanette, who is like, she's like, I guess a former, like she used to be in show business and she signs on as like their accompanist slash like sassy uh i don't know coach uh kathleen freeman uh played her kathleen freeman who you would know as um mother superior in blues brothers okay uh i always think of her as amel muzz's landlady from dragnet (laughs) but uh, (laughs) another dragnet reference Uh, what can i say you know i like dragnet uh and then Elaine Stritch played her oh, yeah. at um at the Paper Mill Playhouse oh, in Melbourne, New Jersey. Our old stomping um, grounds. Yeah, yeah. I not that not. I think I saw Elaine. I saw Elaine Stritch in Follies. Oh, there. so interesting. Yes. Um. Or no, I don't think it was Elaine Stritch. It was. I know Ann Miller was in it. Anyway, not neither here nor there right now um so but yeah so the musical uh it changes some of the names around and like instead of gerald it's harold instead of like gary and dave which is gaz's real name is gary it's jerry and dave um yeah and it's like it seems to be pretty similar um like it seems to kind of carry the same the same themes um adds a little i think there's a little bit more added about uh with like with nathan Mm -hmm. there's a little bit more there and there's like a little bit more surreal like there's one scene in act two where uh and it's in the movie it's the scene where they undress uh and dress in front of each other for the first time. Oh yeah. Um, so that they kind of funny. have, they kind of have, Oh, and this is where they, this is where they get scared off. So in the movie, I guess they get scared off by uh, like a cop who finds them rehearsing in the old steel mill. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and in, in the musical it's um, 
repossessors who are coming to Harold's house, a.k.a. Gerald. Right. Uh, well, there is the scene where repossessors come to Gerald's house to take the TV and then the group of them who have oh, just undressed in front of each other all kind of come out and they're just like back off and Gerald is like, yeah, my gang, my guys. That was that was pretty great. Yeah, so I think they combine that here and um that makes sense. But they have they have like nightmares that the women um are are going to laugh at the size of their packages. Mm. Well, uh, the and the movie does called have the, the goods. The movie does have the great scene where uh horse is on the phone with the penis pump company because they didn't send oh. instructions and he didn't know how to make it work. <laughs> that was pretty funny. That was really um, funny. <laughs> yeah. So uh so let's see. They um but yeah otherwise like that's pretty much it. Like the musical doesn't it doesn't feature any like old it doesn't feature like hot stuff yeah. or you sexy thing. Uh, it's all original numbers. It was um, nominated for a bunch of Tonys. Oh, Patrick Wilson. Patrick yeah. Wilson was in it, played uh, I, Gaz. Um, okay. Uh, but yeah, so it was nominated for, for a bunch of Tonys. And Good for them. Yeah. I remember it being a pretty big, uh, pretty big hit. Yeah. I never saw it. Well, Dan, given the opportunity to bring this property back around, what would you do? Well, John, I'm glad you asked, partially because that's what, <laughs> what we do here here every about. Um, so, you know, I, I gave some thought to the sequel idea where, um, you know, an adult Nathan, um, you know, perhaps in a like just like in a just post covid britain uh hmm. you know is out of work cuz i mean if you think about it we're you know it's similar problems uh that this yeah. you know pandemic has caused uh, you know a lot of places closing um you know you could you could reset it in like a tourist heavy town uh or city that has really like a beachside place that has had, you know, Vista um, Del Mar, maybe. Yeah. Oh, Vista Del <laughs> The full Monty at Vista Del Mar. Um, brilliant. So I was thinking about that and I was thinking about like, what if you have an adult Nathan who's like, he and his friends are like, they're all out of work and it's, you know, it's 2000, it's, it's 2022 late 2021 or 2022 and oh what if they were what if they were like groomed since a young age to be in the buffet industry oh cruise ship cruise, <laughs> cruise ships. ships oh what if what yeah no like what if he does like you know dancing on on cruise ships and i just and i thought about that i was like it would be funny because you know at at the end of this at the end of the full monty when they're dancing what are they they have like are they holding hats in front of their yeah. Their junk. Don't well. What if they? It was like masks now oh, in geez. in the sequel. <laughs> well, and then so the other idea of a modern because then that would turn out that would almost that would kind of it would be a sequel, but it would also kind of be a remake, mm -hmm. um, like a remake disguised as a sequel. So why not just do a remake? Um, why not set it in America? Why not set it in America? Let's say like 2015 
in a you know rust belt town um or a, a ta- you know a place where there was you know previously coal mining yeah. um like a coal mining town set it in the appalachians you know set it in a place and i think you have the opportunity there um because if you set it in a place that's conservative and you know like a uh a, a red state a red town um and have them almost out of necessity have to face a lot of prejudices and fears when the when the guys like kind of figure this out and yeah. they're like man like all right we're going to do this but you know and then i i think it could almost like like the original full monty works through doesn't work through the um you know challenges of being gay in a community like this but it touches upon it very yeah. in in it like very delicately and it shows like you know like you said i feel like um a remake could almost could be more overt like that like what you know what happens when you have a black man who who wants to audition to be part of the troupe and he's amazing uh-huh. And, but like, but these guys are like racist or, you know, what if you have, you know, circa 2015, when a lot of these, um, you know, a lot of people are, are out of work and they're, you know, feeling isolated, feeling dejected. Just want to acknowledge real quick, not all conservatives are racist. Just want to make sure that we're letting people know that we don't think that all conservatives are racist. No, 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 not at all. But I'm just saying it would be an opportunity to work like you could. I'm not, and it, you know, it, I'm not saying let's take the full Monty and make it serious, but um, I, I think it could be an interesting, like, I don't know, blue, blue collar comedy. Yeah. Why not? And I, it kind of makes me think, and I haven't seen the movie. Um, oh, and now I'm drawing a blank on the name. What is it? The new Ron Howard movie with Glenn Close. Oh, Hillbilly Elegy. Hillbilly Elegy. Like, you know, kind of a film that shows the perspective of people who are not, you know, not hateful people. And I don't know if I don't, like I said, I haven't seen it. I haven't read the book, mm-hmm. but I, I think, you know, just kind of like showing the face of a lot of people who tend to be dismissed um, Uh and labeled as racist, homophobic, so on and so forth, and not bothering to kind of, you know, look behind and, and at least try to understand that perspective. I think a remake of the full Monty could, could actually kind of do that. And by the way, I'm not saying like, let's do a New York times, you know, profile on the neo-Nazi who just wants to be loved, but I'm, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not talking about neo-Nazis. Neo-Nazis excludes you from that. So by, I am very much not saying that all conservatives are neo-Nazis. Okay. (laughs) So I am not saying that they are Nazis, Um, but um, you did not see that coming. Uh, I kind of did. Ah, all right. Yeah. So I don't know. That's kind of where I was going with this. Uh, one yeah. way, you know, one direction or the other. What What are your thoughts? So, yeah, you know, I was thinking my immediate thought for all of these is like, okay, can it be re- like, I kind of go through like a little checklist. It's just like, would I be able to see some sort of remake? Even if it's done like in a 
more clever modern way tying it to you know current uh current events and things like that but i don't know this one just didn't feel i didn't feel like it would be appropriate um i i mean not to say i don't like your idea i i think that doing something post covid because there have been a lot of things closing down like that does make a lot of sense tying it to the original and and the steel mill i i thought that the most fun way to do it would be to make a vr video game of it <laughs> and because there's a lot of really cool vr experiences out there some of them that you know are actual like movies where you are part of it it's around you you get to experience things i'm but- in the movie so i was thinking about last action hero the other oh day oh my god Really? Okay. So I I don't know. I think that what would be really fun is if there was this thing where it's like, yes, you follow along the storyline. And then when there's moments where there's dancing, like let's say there's the tryouts and then you become one of the people trying out. And then, you know, you have to do these like dance things and then uh, maybe you progress. Like you become part of the storyline. And I don't know. I thought that would be kind of fun. Do you strip? Like, do you actually strip on your end? I no. mean, optional, optional, but uh, I thought that it would be kind of fun and, and just like silly to to do it kind of that way and expand the story. Um, I don't know. I mean, I imagine that's like that's how you have to win the game is to go the full Monty. So to go the full Monty. Do you yeah. like do you, like if you looked? I mean, not to be weird, but like when you when you're fully naked, if you like look down, do you are do you get to choose what you see? Uh, you know, I, well, there is that uh, that cyberpunk. Do you get to choose game. to play as uh, what's his name? Um, the guy with the big wang. Oh, um, guy, guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, guy. Well, yeah. so yeah, there's that cyberpunk game where you actually get to like customize your character, and uh, penis size is a customization that is was very controversial when that came out uh, recently. <laughs> Um, amongst many other technical issues that the game had. but I mean, I don't know if it would be relevant for that game. It would be relevant for the Full Monty. It would be relevant for the Full Monty, that's right. But I mean, I think that also like the... Uh, it's maybe it could add to the choose-your-own-adventure element of it where maybe like part of your thing is like you get a penis pump and it doesn't have any instructions. Like it's a side mission or something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I I was just trying to think of like a fun way to kind of bring it into, you know, modern entertainment and uh, (laughs) I having, so um, as part of my work over the past year, one of the things was this like, uh, this wing of the the Venice uh, Biennale is this Venice BR, VR experience, and uh, it was like a f- the film festival, the Venice Film Festival. Um, and what they did is they had these VR experiences popping up all over the world, and uh, the Northwest Film Center here in Portland is uh, part of the organization I work with, and we were the U.S. host of the uh venice vr expanded experience and uh it was really cool and i got to see a lot of really neat movies that were done in vr and some of them were that were more interactive than others and it was really cool i really liked it and um 
I don't know. I think that this is an, I don't know. It's, it's an odd movie that is so culturally relevant, especially because of the reason why we're talking about it on this episode, which is because it coined this term. Um, not that a lot of people maybe realize that, but you know, it's people remember this movie, even though it was, I don't know, it's just like a weird outlier from 1997 that somehow made its way into the Oscars. Well, if you think about it in the late 90s and and early 2000s, there's there's kind of this run of charming British comedies. Oh. I would say Fox Searchlight comedies, but uh, I they probably weren't all. But I'm thinking of, you know, like I said, Saving Grace, Waking Dead Divine. Um, right. And Billy Elliot. Yeah. that the Right. Billy Elliot, for sure. And uh, yeah, talk about the 90s and other, you know, Four Weddings and a Funeral, like all these like Hugh mm-hmm. Grant movies that, you know, just kind of like blew up during this time. These charming little romantic comedy. I don't know. But also, like, I, I think there was a particularly a run of these like working class, yeah. like mm-hmm. these people who didn't live in London. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, y- you know, like they lived out in places like Sheffield. So, Dan, I believe this one is Irish, but have you seen Sing Street? No, I have not. You really should. Yet. It's wonderful. But it just the setting of it. I mean, it takes place, I believe, in the 80s in a very like a very similar feeling town, I think, to Sheffield, the way it's depicted in okay. this movie. And uh, it's really charming. The music and it's a lot of fun. And I. Uh, I think you would really, really enjoy it. That's like, I have not heard a negative word about it. Yeah. It's just, I guess has, it has not been, I got to put it on my, please do, please do. Uh, but I think that it would be, uh, wise of us to instead talk about what we're going to be doing on the next episode of this podcast. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about boats and horses that are named the full Monty. Oh, thanks for reminding me. (laughs) How could I forget? How could you forget? What's funny is I looked I mean, it up uh, right after we recorded our last episode and then immediately forgot about it. Okay. Well, so, Dan, do you, do you mean, think there are any horses named the Full Monty? Absolutely. Okay. There are seven horses named the Full Monty. Only seven? Only seven. Um, wow. Let's just find one of them. Oh, this one's a pony. Born in 2001. Okay. Not really the full Monty. No, it's okay. not quite the full Monty. Uh, let's see this Tennessee walking horse. I bet that one's going to be pretty interesting. Um, ooh, born. Uh, so the, the full Monty's mother's name is the color of pride. Interesting. I thought you were going to say the color of money. No, no not the color of money. It's. Uh, I always look to see if there's any uh, other uh, any movie references in the past for some of these. Here's a German sport horse. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, lady, we have a it's lady. Mother's killer. name is Aaron Brockovich. Its father's yeah. name is Austin Powers. <laughs> we have a, a lady killer. Um, oh, yeah, from from way way back. So now let's check and see if there are any boats. Named the Full Monty. Dan, how many do you think there will be? A dozen. Exactly one dozen. Exactly one dozen. Twelve. All right. We have three. Oh. Yeah. 
Um, this one's built in 1996. I thought you were going to follow that up with like thousand. Yeah. No, surprisingly very few. Yeah, very, very few. But uh, yeah, there we go. All right, why don't we talk yeah. about what we're doing on the next episode? Well, I would be I would be more skeptical that there are as many horses or boats named after the movie we'll be talking about next. And uh, I I just realized I wanted to share the year that it's from, and oh, yeah. I don't want to get it wrong because I was about to guess. Oh, I would have been ten years off. So we are going to take a look at and I, this may be the first movie to really like invent and introduce a term that is very common, especially commonly used uh, in recent memory. Gaslight, 1944, starring Charles Boyer, Ingrid Bergman, Joseph Cotton, directed by George Cukor. Uh, We've got Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury. An early Angela Lansbury. Uh, 18 years old uh, in her Oscar nominated screen debut Oscar um nominated for best wow. supporting actress. So yeah, it's uh we forget how awesome she she's is. She's great. It's easy to She's forget. wonderful. So um yeah, I'm excited not only to watch Gaslight but also to um do a, a, some more research, you know, about uh the term itself and how it kind of came into. And I feel like in the past five years, it's really been uh, coming up a lot and a lot more. Um, Yeah. But generally speaking, I would say uh, like most people who use it don't aren't consciously referencing the movie and they they're not aware. They're not going to say, I'm going to reference an old film from 1944 and say that you are being gaslit. So what's interesting about it, though, is that it's like it doesn't sound anything like its meaning, which is, you know, when somebody has convinced something, somebody of something that has happened that it hasn't happened or didn't happen the way that they thought that it happened or or, yeah it's more that like didn't happen the way that they thought it happened or like happened to where it's like no i'm not the asshole you're the asshole exactly so i'm and it's that makes you think oh my god i am yeah so i'm looking forward to um doing some reading about it and uh hopefully finding out some some interesting information but yeah i don't know it's uh it's gonna be a good one I'm really looking for it's a classic and I've never seen it. So I'm really looking forward to checking it yeah. out. Well, Dan, I don't have any kind of clever way of saying it, but I wish you a good journey. Good journey. The full Monty, we're going all the way. The full Monty, we're gonna seize the day. The whole enchilada, the whole ball of wax. We're gonna face the music, we're not gonna turn our backs. You'll get the